Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay, let's start this fucking show. (laughs) From the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. I'm Sarah May, speaking this week with Aisha Hauser and Raven Juarez. It's Thursday night, November 5th, 2020. The election is over, and we're recording tonight in front of a live Zoom audience at our very first virtual community meetup. This is By the Sound. As noted, it is Thursday, November 5th, 2020, at 7.16 p.m. Joe Biden Pacific. Ha- Pacific. <laughs> Joe Biden has earned 253 electoral votes compared to just 214 for Donald Trump. Biden is also leading the popular vote um, by more than 4 million votes cast. As most of us will uh, remember, Hillary Clinton won uh, the popular vote um, by nearly um, or around 3 million votes, um, and sh- she was unable to secure uh, a victory in the Electoral College. Looking at the Senate, the parties are tied at the moment with 48 seats each, but it seems increasingly unlikely that Democrats will take the chamber. And in the House, Democrats are leading 209 to 192 seats. Though Democrats are likely to remain in control of the House, six seats have already been lost to Republicans. So, Raven, mm-hmm. how are you doing? You know what? Um, I'm happy to be here, but even though it's pretty tight, I'm... Sad to say, I'm not like that surprised that once again, it the numbers show that America is uh, steadfast on being racist and doesn't um, doesn't learn from mistakes or I guess what we would call mistakes. But a lot of people think are okay still somehow four years later. Um, So as much as I am hopeful that we can turn this election and Biden will win. I'm equally frustrated and dismayed that this is the reality of our country right now. And no matter what, uh, we're going to have a lot more work to do. And uh, we have to be aware that we have to stay pretty vigilant. Like these numbers are pretty, like if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're somebody who's vulnerable in any way, this is pretty scary looking map. Aisha, how are you doing? Yes, to continue the theme of bullshit that this country is. So this whole idea of people uh, lying to pollsters pisses me off. This is why. So if you're lying and saying you're going to vote for Biden or even people who lied and said they were going to vote for Hillary means they know. They know that saying out loud you're going to vote for the garbage death cult government is a problem. So that means you're, you're purposely choosing a destructive sociopath garbage death government that does not center life. That is a bullshit argument. Sorry that you're not pro-life at all Mm -hmm. Um, because you're choosing whiteness above everything else. He is unapologetically white supremacist. He's unapologetic about it. He's like, screw you, black, brown children, black, brown babies. We're caging you. Like who does that? So these folks supporting him, are unapologetically wanting to make sure that white supremacy for as long as possible uh, is what rules this land, period, full stop. This is not economic anxiety. Mm-hmm. This is, that's a bunch of bullshit. This is not um, anything other than people clearly liking that he's giving a big fuck you to whatever it is that the, that the folks who support him think is out there, whether it's liberals or Black Lives Matter or whatever it is that their um, perception of what they want to crush, he, he gives them a big fuck you. So that's what this is about. And that's what we have. We can't lie about that. We got to stop having this bullshit argument that this is, that's how I am. Really. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to stop because I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, but (laughs) or off the rails, but I am feeling frustration, but also feeling like, let's stop lying. Let's stop lying. Stop lying Mm -hmm. about what this country is and stop pretending that there's any other reason 
other than white supremacy. That's how I am. How are you, Sarah? I had Thai food. That was delicious. I didn't cook because I knew I was doing the podcast. So, Sarah, how are you? I have been um, mostly upbeat um, since Tuesday. I think that's in part because um, I had a pretty co- pretty clear outlook on the election. Um, uh, there's been a lot of good news. Um and although there hasn't nothing surprising has happened, and uh, under the the circumstances, uh, that's good. Um, and I say nothing surprising has happened because I didn't come into this extremely optimistic. Um, I will admit that in the wee small hours, I did entertain the possibility of um, a democratic senate. Um, of some sort of tsunami, um, of a major, like, you know, just pivotal, uh, seismic moment. Um, and, but we didn't get that and it was unreasonable to expect it. Um, instead what we're, what we are seeing and, and the reason I've been upbeat is we we are very much on track, uh, just probabilistically, uh, statistically to see, um, the single greatest threat to American democracy and Americans themselves um, voted out of office. Uh, that mm-hmm. could happen as as soon as tonight. Uh, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen on Saturday. I, but I, I believe we're moving in that direction. And just that alone, getting um, getting Donald Trump out of the White House, uh, getting a president who will. Uh, act with decency um, in terms of you know the executive actions that take place in terms of what people are put in key roles within the administration. That's going to be a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Someone who's not a sociopath is a huge win. Huge the bar win. Is so low. Yeah. Uh, now the bar the, is so low. <laughs> unfortunately, the, the for those um, of us who did allow those thoughts of a, a, a democratic Senate to come into our head. That's now very unlikely. And it, um, it means a lot of things that might've been on our wish list tonight really don't have a chance. This is not going to be a Senate that's going to, if Mitch McConnell's still in control, there is no Medicare for all. There is no green new deal. Um, <laughs> options are very limited in terms of court reform. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, the states are empowered uh, to kind of, in, in a back, backdoor way, abolish the Electoral College if we get some more states um, in the interstate uh, voter compact. Um, but uh, that, that, that'll that remain to be seen. I mean, I, I think over overturning the Electoral College system is one of the most uh, major structural uh changes that need to be made um but right i mean i felt this way i was feeling hopeful four years ago with the map looking how it was and thinking oh there's no way like and then the then reality set in so i feel like that's why i can't all the way like feel at peace because i was so confident four years ago this time i was laughing with my friends i was outside at a bar in the world without a mask on thinking oh yeah we've got this and then even after she lost on the way home i was like okay this is really bad but how bad can it legitimately get uh and here we are it apparently pretty pretty fucking bad what's been blowing my mind this week um and what has been the wake-up call for me is that Donald Trump was able to go out there and get as many votes as he got last time. And then he found, you know, roughly 6 million more who are willing to vote for a narcissistic sociopath. Uh, now, luckily, it was the largest turnout election, I believe, since 1908. Um, like, high, high, high turnout uh, which is something a lot of us have wanted for a long time. Um, and, um, you know, Biden has uh, in the the national vote count more than 50% of the vote. He's now earned more votes than any for president than any person uh, in the history of the country. Um, wow. It That shows how much uh, the rest of America feels. 
strongly about getting Trump out. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a four million vote margin, but still, it's um, you know we're looking. I believe it was sixty nine million people voting for Trump, and it's a lot of us on the far left. I believe can look at um, twenty sixteen and and have felt that this was some sort of aberration that that oh you know liberals had become complacent complacent or that we uh uh there were too many protest voters or you know sexism was yeah, under indexed all this mentality. kind of stuff like a lot of a lot of little explanations around the edges and mm-hmm. uh if any or all of those were really the case um we would have seen a dramatically different result from this election the fact is I don't like saying they're evil people. I don't like saying they're bad people. I think there's everybody is both good or bad. We all just, you know, um, sometimes we we have bad days where we do bad things, you know. Um, but I think people do behave badly, and I think a lot of people in the United States are behaving badly right now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I think Democrats are going to, well, need, I, I, yeah. you know, behaving, look, behaving badly is smoking weed and breaking a store window <laughs> and stealing Doritos. Caging babies is a different category than behaving badly. So four years later, when we're, you know, one of the things I talk about is a lack of imagination. Evil does not lack imagination. The fact that somebody said, let's rip children from their families and cage them. And a group of people went with this is like a testament to the, the, there's no end to the imagination of evil. And so when we say things like defund the police or let's give everyone health care, suddenly we're nuts, like we're the ones who have the issue. Mm-hmm. So where I want to just, you know, put, it's not even pushing back, but just say this isn't about, sure, everyone's got good and bad in them, but that's not the point. It's that there is a system in this country that is, continuing to perpetrate trauma on entire generations. We have children now who are given away. Their only crime was being from Central or South America or or Mexico, taken from their children, given to white people to to raise. Um, And and so that's different. That's not, that to me is not, what people voted for is maintaining a white supremacist oppressive system because Mm -hmm. they, Here's the fallacy. Here's the bullshit bill of goods. And I blame fucking reality TV and fucking The Apprentice for creating this bullshit of meritocracy. Because some of these white people think they're going to be a fucking billionaire, which is white. Donald Trump hates them. He hates them. He would never sit with them at dinner. He hates them. He has loathing for anybody who isn't him or anybody who isn't a dictator. Let's be clear. So what people chose is the bullshit of meritocracy is maintaining oppression so they can m- maintain the um, the fairy tale they've been told that they're at the top or they can get to the top mm-hmm. by stepping on other people. That's not the same as like an existential, spiritual, we all have the ability to do good or bad. That To me, that's not the same thing. That's the, just what I was going to say, Asha. Consciously, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, no, you're t- oh, don't mute yourself. You're okay. Uh, I just want to say I totally agree. I think a lot of this comes from a scarcity mentality, and a lot of Trump supporters really believe that uh, for them to there's got to be people who have and people who have not, and the only way to get anything in this world is to choose people and uh, tape them off and be like, these are the ones we're going to push down, and that's the only way we're going to rise up or get anything for ourselves, our families. But that's just a lie that. Uh, 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 I want to say like, what's the level of rich that you have to be to be evil? But I feel like there's a certain level of richness that they, that's those people are perpetuating this lie, and they're saying you can get up here to us, but you got to let us smush you down, and then you smush these people down, and that's how it's going to work. And uh, that's simply not true. And if you look at other uh, societies through history or around the world, you see that that's not the case. It doesn't have to be that way, but it really comes from fear, which turns into anger, which turns into hatred, which turn- is a snowball effect. And then people are just indoctrined over generations and they don't question it. And then people like Trump come around and they give people permission to double down on this stuff. I'm not racist. You're racist. Cause I'm being told that, um, 
because of the color of my skin. I can't dress up as Pocahontas. That's racist. No, there, there's just, there's this um, cognitive dissonance between uh, the reality of what's going on and what oppression is. I'm hearing more than ever this year, white people talking about being oppressed, Trump saying he's the victim, he's oppressed. It's one of the most ridiculous things because if you've never, and you've seen this probably slogan on signs and stuff, but oppression uh, or equality feels like oppression to the people who've been oppressing for hundreds of years. And I'm sorry that's uncomfortable for them, but it's also uncomfortable for everybody else. So we have to, I don't, I don't know if there's a way to get through to the people who've lived in this mindset for decades and decades, except for keep voting and keep doing this work and don't be complacent and hope that eventually, like, have you seen the map of how the country would look right now if everyone, if it was only voters under 30? It's completely blue. We just have, it's a waiting game. We got to just wait out this old gross mentality and keep uh, education centered in the belief that everybody has equal rights and equal um, uh, right to humanity. It's, it goes beyond the constitution or any of that. It's just humanity for other humans. It's that time. Yeah, um, and uh, one of our listeners chimed in. Uh, I don't know if uh, they want attribution, um, but uh, uh, she said um, it uh, President Lyndon Johnson uh, said, uh, this seems very apt. If if you can convince the lowest white man that he is better than the best colored man, he won't notice that you're picking from his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look at, down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. End quote. Hey, that's a much more eloquent way of thought <laughs> I was trying to express. Thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's um, I you know, I said behaving badly earlier. I, I I probably should have said just behaving immorally. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I, I I sort of feel like we all have our our better angel better better angels and worse angels, and they're on our shoulders. And like some people listen to. I feel the, like they think though it is moral though. I feel like they're like it's moral for me to take what's mine and protect sure. my family, and they're like that's my morals, that's my belief system, and it's like you can have your morals and your opinions, but when your morals and opinions are actively harming other people, mm-hmm. you can't say that that's where you're coming from. Well, but that that point of view, um, it's uh, even if you think it's moral, uh, what a politician can recognize is that it's easy. Um, it's the most cynical, um, easiest way of governing. Is it's the populist method of governing to um, nurture. Uh, the, the the lesser angels on people's shoulders to you know give in to the the basis desires. I think there's there's sort of a something I roll my eyes at a lot is when I see uh, you know a lot of socialists, a lot of far leftists. I'm thinking of Shama Sawant at the moment talking about the people versus the powerful. You know, and maybe it's because I'm a trans woman and, you know, the way trans people are treated on this this earth. Like, I don't feel like there's anything, like, intrinsically good about the people. I, I feel, you know, sometimes a majority of the people want to do really awful things and want to treat people very badly. And, and, and we're, we're looking at how possible that is with these election results. And, um, uh, some politicians will see those base desires as immoral leanings in people and um, feed them because it's it's easy. Uh, but you know, par- politicians with integrity will make the hard choices to sometimes you know give the public medicine that the public doesn't want. Um, but uh, y- you know, sorry for that digression. I I think the Democrats are in trouble. Um, the party has got to look at at something new because we're in two years, in four years, uh, a lot of people are going to be disappointed if Biden was elected but wasn't able to achieve things like Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, and so forth, uh, which are, are probably impossible if there isn't a cooperative Senate. If there's a six-three Supreme Court and you know a packed lower courts that now that Trump has put Republicans everywhere and McConnell has helped. Um, it, it things are going to be better, but they're not going to be great. And it's 
Yeah, it's that same thing. We can't expect every all the change to be on any one person's shoulders. It has yeah. to be everybody committing, and not just right now, but to raising their children and to talking to their neighbors and having those hard conversations. It has to be a little bit on everyone all the time, forever. But I think that, I think if there's a silver lining to be had, help me black Jesus. It's that we, this country can't lie about itself anymore. Right. The last four years have shown that. um, Well, the numbers are there, but, and yes, and, um, this president managed when he, okay. It's not just him. He he's a train wreck. He's a symptom pumpkin, but he, Betsy DeVos, when she was named, a friend of mine actually um, here in Seattle said to me, it would be better to abolish the entire Department of Education rather than have her lead it. So there's been a deconstruction the last four years. Um, the, the, the thing that I maybe hold on to a little bit of hope is how much grassroots has been going on the last four years. How many, you know, how many... Um, on the ground organizations looked to each other and said, we cannot look at this garbage death cult government. It just kept getting worse and worse. Right. So there's much more infrastructure that's been built upon that was there before 2016, but wasn't as paid attention to as much. And then there's new things right now is mutual aid. So to me, my hope is that when there's reconstruction for lack of a better, maybe it is not, I mean, is that, um, What's been deconstructed, now we can look at it and almost need to put it back together in a different way. Biden's not getting the same government that Obama did, that Clinton did. That I mean, there's been a lot that's been decimated. Positions haven't been filled, hundreds and hundreds. The State Department is a mess. I mean, what people, I mean, so to the hope maybe a little bit is to fight the white supremacist system. But although you can't dismantle the master's tools using the, uh, you can't dismantle the master's house using the master's tools, Audrey Lord. And um, I don't think I, I'm not going into this. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens in the next two years because I I don't actually think the expectation is Biden's going to do much of anything. We just need to Trump out. Like I didn't even, you know, I hardly saw any um, criticisms of Biden in the way I did the year Hillary was running at all because it was like we need to get this abuser out like we cannot be assaulted this way again for the next four years so I actually I don't know I could be completely wrong and naive but I don't feel from my activist friends and the network that I'm the networks I'm attuned to and paying attention to that there is this expectation he's going to do anything we just we just wanted the trauma to stop like the daily trauma of these fucking tweets and these just assault on women and everybody and so I don't know. I think in that respect, it's like, just let's calm the fuck down. Let's heal. Let's stop abusing. I mean, let's just at least a little bit not have a president who's just fucking yelling at us all the time about nonsense. And so um, I I just don't, I don't see, I mean, I'm not, I have not gotten the feeling that there's an expectation that Biden's going to do much of anything, frankly. I I, I don't, I mean, and maybe that's me being optimistic because then you really, you really can't get that disappointed. It was more like we need, this was the first election that I was fine that the argument was we need to get Trump out like that. Usually like I'm pissed at that. It's like, we need to have a plan. Well, we don't need a plan. We just need this dude out because he himself is horrible. Then we could deal with our garbage government that has, you know, justice handmaiden. That's charming. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, so I don't, I don't think Sarah, I don't know. And again, maybe I'm naive, but I, I, I just think I have not really heard anybody's expecting Biden to do shit. Well, I just, you know, every, every election, maybe I'm not reading the right things. Every election people, uh, like to equivocate, you know, or like to, um, uh, say the parties are the same, that nothing ever changes and so on and so forth. And I'm just thinking realistically because of the, these outcomes, it's it's unlikely that a lot of the big um, things on the, oh, yeah. the Bernie Sanders I wish agree. list just aren't going to happen. You know, not to, not wanting to alienate that part of the party. The thing is, I, I looking at an election where Donald Trump was able to find 6 million more voters uh, and seeing how close it was, you know, despite what a poor job he's been doing um, mm-hmm. and his effect on this country. I'm just thinking Democrats need to try everything. Like we need to, we got, the party needs to be more liberal in the liberal places, more centrist in the centrist places, more targeted. Like, can, can we stop 
talking about Hispanic voters as a monolith. They're not. They, that's, they, they, I think, put an exclamation point on that. In this election, you know, Trump got a, a larger share of that community. Like, uh, you know, we got folks from Venezuela and Cuba. Well, who, you can, we can, we can dissect the reason that that is too. I mean, if you grew up, I think you posted something like this already uh, that I saw today, Asia. But like, if you are living in a society where they say the only way to see, be successful is to idolize white men and do what they do and walk their walk and talk their talk and be respected by them, of course, over decades, you're going to have minority groups who have been indoctrined into that and think that that is the way to be successful. And that is the mindset you have to have to set yourself apart. And that's truly sad to me. I think that that is a, a really big symptom that is evident in the numbers with the Hispanic vote, quote unquote. Um, and also, did you guys see the something else vote? <laughs> and um, no. I mean, it was it was one big news news sector. I can't remember what, but it's been all over native TikTok. They referred to, they listed all the demographics and then they left out Native American, but they just said something else. And it was clearly something meant to else. be Love like me. the indigenous vote, but they just said something wow. else. So uh, native TikToks going crazy, being like, "Yeah, we're something else." Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. there's some funny it, jokes, but it's also pretty just like the erasure's real. Um, it's my understanding yeah, I'm that I'm something else, and I'm not happy about it. You're something special, Raven. Thank you Thanks. for being here. <laughs> I would prefer something special or something resilient, something dope. There could have been a, a, other words I would have chosen over something <laughs> else. Uh, well, we're going to take the power back. And well, uh, he Trump drove up his margin with Native voters, as I understand it. Um, and uh, there are reasons for that that Democrats need to figure out. Like similar issue. I tell you, one thing that was going on in 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 this was the whole like socialist menace idea. Like Trump always wanted to run against Bernie Sanders, but he didn't get Bernie Sanders, so he just tried to convince everyone that Joe Biden would be a socialist <laughs> as soon as like you know oh, yeah. Wait, AOC called him on the phone. Left than Bernie Sanders, I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> but like, here's the thing, though. Then they went with their targeted advertising. Like anybody who on Facebook who's, you know, like in an affinity group for, you know, people from Venezuela, people from Cuba, uh, Vietnamese speaking, uh, people uh, with Eastern European or former Soviet bloc languages being spoken, they were bombarded with ads or Joe Biden is a socialist, right? Mm, And if scare them. If for if you fled a socialist country for really legitimate reasons, and you're you know getting to know the political landscape of the United States, um, I, that seems like it could be a really strong motivator. And I don't think Democrats um, did a great job and of those. Of, those folks don't even know that we're the ones who fucked up their country. That's the yeah. sick shit. Yeah. It's like we're the reason why you fled your country. Because there was probably 50, 60 years ago, maybe 10, you know, they were trying to be a democracy or even a functioning socialist country. And then our CIA fucked it up for you. Now you're here. And so it's just this, it's this maze of um, like a Netflix show that's like, you know, what is it? Russian doll and Russian doll. So those folks who are being told to be afraid of socialism really fled fucked up countries that we helped fuck up. I, I'm, I come from one. Egypt has never been had a moment's peace because we kept getting, you know, screwed by the British and the French and the United States and blah, blah. So um, I, my last trip before everything shut down in February, I went to Houston, Texas, and my Uber driver was from Venezuela. And the dude was totally talking about how great Trump is. So now, you know me, you hear me. I'm like, okay, so I'm in this car. I need to get to my, you know, maybe it was like 40 miles to my hotel. So I'm not going to exactly pick a fight with the Uber driver, but I'm like, hey, we tried to find common ground. Like I lived in South America and he's like, oh, I'm from Venezuela. So I lived in Colombia. So I'm like, um, I don't know if Trump's really, you know, what you think he is. He's like, no, no, it's in your truck, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, um, here's my, input. but. But there was no, because they, you know, uh, Maduro, Venezuela, socialism's tired. That's all, that was exactly what you said, Sarah. 
was it was in his mind, socialism bad. I fled. I could work. I can work. Dude had like four jobs and he's like, I could be here and I'm an Uber driver. And I'm also listed as three other jobs so he could put his kids through school. And he thought this was a great thing. And I'm like, actually, this country can do a lot better. Really? We could have universal. These are the two things. You want to ask me how to fix this country? At least start, start on our way to dismantling white supremacy, uh, universal basic income, everybody, universal basic income. So you can have a house and universal health care. Let's start with that. Then we dismantle the prison industrial complex. Then we can, you know, look to community care. And because, because without that, if people cannot afford to live and eat and have shelter and have health care, this will always be a society with cancer on its soul. Like, that's the thing. It's like, we, what, how is the, I have a friend, somebody said to me, oh, wait, so you come talk to us. I do a lot of, I do um, workshops on race. And so this white woman said to me, we'd love to have you over for dinner and talk about race. I'm like, sure. And she said, we think it's about class. I'm like, awesome. You work on getting universal basic income and healthcare, universal healthcare, and I'll work on race. Like, I'm not going to, I am not going to convince you of a different reality than you think there is. But what we could do is if you think it's only about class, beautiful, fix that. Mm -hmm. We'll work on other stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, so, yeah. And I think whether we're talking about, um, South America or Vietnam um, or Afghanistan and Al-Qaeda or um, uh, race relations in the United States, um, race relations in Britain. Uh, For the U.S. and Britain, um, you know, the chickens come home to roost one way or another. And I, I think... Unfortunately, that's that's part of the, the socialist scare in this election. But I don't want to make too big of a deal over one phenomenon, but it was one of many things. And there's um, there's a lot of work to do. To uh, It's all connected. Yeah. It's, it's white supremacy maintaining itself. It's not going to go quietly, right? No. It, it's been like this apparently, the apparently. Nation, as they say. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to know something really scary that happened to me on election night? Oh, no. Yes. Well, yes and no. I'm sorry. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's not as scary as that lead up would make you think. Okay. I just was <laughs> remembering. <laughs> I Raising was watching. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's not anything that dramatic. But I was watching the polls come in and I was watching, watching things were looking really good for Biden. I fell asleep accidentally because I didn't sleep at all the night before because I was so anxious. And it was like, as soon as I saw the numbers, I think something subconsciously was like, you're safe. Like rest your eyes, little one. So I did. And then I woke up to the voice of Donald Trump because my boyfriend started turning the volume up as he was talking him saying, and we've won. And it's pretty clear that we've won. And I just like literally like rolled out of my sleep onto the floor. And I was like, what am I seeing? What did I miss? It was the scariest moment of my entire yeah, year. That's scary. And no, then that's I, scary. But then how lucky to remember, oh yeah, he's a liar. He's lying. It's a lie. Thank God. The first time I've been really happy to remember what a what a lying piece of shit our president is. I was like, of course he's lying. I can calm back down again. Yeah, as they were but waiting remember for the pit that. in our stomach 2016. Remember the pit? Remember when it was clear Hillary Law at the pit, right? Like it, it, I just had a, I mean, not, and I wasn't, it, it's like, yeah, obviously it could have put it, but you know, I was like, okay, there's, you know, no, really. And then when, cause we were on, we're on the West coast. Right. So we knew it was, it was definite and just the pit, like a, like a lump in my stomach. And we were, at, there was like 80 of us at our church at um, the Unitarian church. And the minister had bought a case of champagne. Someone had brought a dog. I just laid down <laughs> with this dog. I'm not getting up. But the pit, I remember the pit in my stomach when it was, when he got to 70 and I'm like, so I, I, that is scary, Raven. I want to affirm that that would be a scary thing to wake up in here. You know, I, um, I have spent a lot of, uh, elections with my ex-wife, including the last two elections. And she said, um, you know, in both cases, she said something very insightful on election night that's has stuck with me in 2016. She said, you know, it, it haunts me having her say, she said, they really do hate us by which she means women. And, um, 
in 2020, her standout remark from the evening for me is when she said, people really do want money more than anything. And, you know, I assume she was thinking of either tax policy or, you know, just the the people who um, think by electing a guy named Trump, they're going to get rich too. It's so crazy. Like, I saw something the other day that was like, I was born on this planet. Why do I have to pay money to uh, be alive? It's so expensive and I'm not even having fun. Um, right. It, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to not have those, oh those things that should be our rights as human beings on the planet earth. That, Does that is a very sense. good question. And there's a increasingly lively and increasingly depressing, uh, chat, uh, amongst our meetup <laughs> attendees. So we're going to take a break. We come back, we're going to have some questions and answers from our guests and, uh, we'll be right back on By the Sound. Hey, Raven. Hey, Sarah. What's the best part of donating to Buy the Sound on Patreon? Uh, other than helping us to make more episodes of the podcast? Yeah. I like the daily local news updates. With so much local news to follow, it's great to see all the stories that matter in one place without all the fluff. And it's available for as little as five bucks a month. Our news updates are posted almost every day to our private Facebook group, which all supporters are invited to join once they donate to Buy the Sound through Patreon. Our donors will also see previews of upcoming episodes, and they'll have access to bonus content streaming through our Patreon page. Are there any other benefits to supporting Buy the Sound? Listeners who donate at the Alki level or above will receive invitations to our meetups, where they can meet by the sound co-hosts, guests, and supporters of the show. We'll be having more of these in the coming months via Zoom and eventually in spots all around Seattle. Are there any other benefits for our supporters? Yes. Listeners who support the show at the Discovery, Westlake, or Gasworks membership level will receive all the benefits we described, plus the opportunity to nominate and sponsor a guest of their choosing to be interviewed in a future episode of the show. It's one of the many ways that we're making By the Sound a community-invested podcast. That's so cool. Remind me where people go to donate. People can learn all about these benefits and more at www.patreon.com slash by the sound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash by the sound. It's 7.54 p.m. on the West Coast and it is Thursday, November 5th. Um, and we're mostly watching Georgia right now, uh, where Donald Trump is ahead by 1,775 votes. So, um, you know, if, uh, Biden can capture Georgia, he'll be one vote away from becoming president elect. And I think this is just a, a strong reminder at this moment that, yeah, your, your vote counts and, uh, there are a lot of people out there this week working really hard to make sure uh, that every vote is counted. Um, That's something really interesting about Georgia. Um, do you, uh, that like the trends that run through that area of the South are always historically blue. There's like a belt of blue on the map. If you look, the have you belt. seen any, the history points about that? Well, it's the cotton no. belt. It's, it's slavery. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. So listen to this. So like uh, whatever millennia ago, that's where the sea level used to be. So the, the earth is like richer there and it was more fertile for growing cotton. So that's where a lot of slaves ended up. And that's where we still have those blue boats coming in wow. still to this day. It's so interesting. Like it goes wow. so, so far back. None of this is, you know, um, it's not like random. These are, wow. our country is literally built on this history and we're still seeing the effects of it. And um, we still see that um, the results of that slavery uh, is in the votes, but it's also for us, something like you said, Sarah, it shows that our votes definitely count and wherever you are, it's really, really important. And, you know, our system has some weird things in it. And that's how uh, we flip it. It, it right. you know all these weird off things that often seemed dysfunctional or arbitrary or whatever. But, um, you know, as, as one who looking at the, the, the polls and demographics throughout 
the election uh, year and longer um, and seeing the results, I am more convinced than ever that um, Joe Biden was the safest choice in terms of, you know, electability as was the big buzzword during um, the, the the primaries, which can be a, an aggravating thing to hear uh, for a lot of reasons. But it seeing how close this election is likely to be for for Biden uh, to become president elect, um, it it scares me to think of other uh, potential nominees um, in, in the same position. And this is all just kind of a long way of saying, um, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude this week for Southern black voters, uh, people in Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, people who tend to assume that Absolutely. their votes aren't going to count uh, in a general election, though in Georgia, they could <laughs> be a big fucking deal. Um, I, I, I believe there was a wisdom to Southern black voters you know, black women are the backbone of the Democratic Party. Like, I, mm-hmm. I part. But they don't get rewarded for it. Black women do not. They have saved this fucking country from itself and they don't get thanked for it. They don't get rewarded for it. They don't get paid. They don't get health care. They don't they get shit on. So, what, you know, at some point, it's like, you know, my, my activist friends have been posting about exactly that is like, oh, OK, if Georgia really flips. You can thank state, literally thank Stacey Abrams. Everyone should be sending Stacey Abrams thank you cards um, if Georgia flips, right? Even, even where Georgia is right now, but 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 this there's a there there's something distressing about how quickly the the government throws black women under the bus, right? Um, Clinton didn't do favors for the welfare system or any or mass incarceration that came from a democratic president actually joe biden was what one of the architects of the crime bill so so this this yes black voters time and again black women time and again black trans women time and again want to to make want to work to make this country better but do not get rewarded for it. The system then shits on them. So we need to be clear about that reality too, that that's what is so grotesque about this country is that um, black women come in and people say thank you to black women. And then when policies come in, uh, you know, the Democrats are the first ones to throw them under the bus. Who gives a shit? And that, that needs to, that, Democrats need to be held accountable for that too. Um, so so we need, that that needs to be a lot. And I'm hopeful that in the next, come, you know, as we move forward is that doesn't get forgotten that, that, you know, black women stay at the table and activists continue to push because, um, nothing that's happened, uh, you know, Clinton, Clinton got, Clinton got elected because of the black vote. And he created this, this, the prison industrial complex, militarized the police, militarized the police. That was a democratic president. And who does, what those two policies alone. And then, and Biden, of course, we have to get rid of Trump, but the credit card bills, as my husband pointed, a lot of those credit card companies are where in Delaware, right? They, you know, we, I could get a credit card at zero percent finances financing because I own a home, but yet black people pay what? Tw- or poor people? This is about poor too. We could twenty percent interest. So the people that are ca- the Democrats that count on the black vote support policies that shit on them. So that needs to be said, and I said it. And Madeline, uh, my my friend Madeline, who's uh, in the the, the meetup group, uh, has commented, always, black women save us every fucking time. We need to immediately do better for them. And I agree. And I wish wish my gratitude could provide health care and health insurance and uh, gold-plated, as they say. Um, Unfortunately, all of us gratitude. Raven. Yes? Will you be our new co-host for By the Sound? Uh, are you going to pay me? That seems fair. I, for one, don't think we should be asking women to do even more unpaid work. Um, but Sarah, how on earth are you going to pay me? That's what donors are for, Raven. 
Listeners who donate to the show on Patreon will make sure you get paid. The more donors we get, the more episodes we're able to make. Cool. Where can listeners go to donate? www.patreon.com slash by the sound. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash by the sound. Are we going to touch on our own uh, state elections? Because I think it's pretty crazy what uh, Mr. <gasps> Warren did. Oh, oh yeah, Mr. I was going to say the good things, the sex. And the, the, I was on a commercial. I don't know if y'all saw. I was on a commercial. I got texts. First of all, so R90, which is uh, to expand sexuality education in public schools, woo-hoo. was opposed by, yeah, by a group of people who, whatever, uh, opposed sex education. So I was asked, at, I'm a sexuality educator. So Leilani, Leilani and I are both sexuality educa- educators, yay, um, to... Um, do uh, an op-ed and I did one for the South Seattle Emerald and then a video. They're like, Oh, would you send a video clip? I'm like, sure. Literally did not, didn't think to ask what it was going to be used for, but I'm like, of course. Next thing I know, a couple weeks later, I get texts from people. Hey, we just saw you on TV. I'm like, no, I'm sure that was someone else. Totally forgot that I did this clip. And then somebody else like, no, I'm telling you that. You, and then I'm like, Oh shit. I think, I, I think it might've, it said, was it about sex? They're like it was about sex. Ed. Anyway. Yay. R90. <laughs> have long stories. That's a so big that win. Cool. That's a really important one. Because there was a lot of money and a whole concerted effort to crush it. So people, mm-hmm. oh, they're, they're going to teach your children. I don't even know what they were being told. It was so preposterous. Yeah. And Kirsten Harris Talley, friend of the show, won. Woo! I'm trying to remember. Um, I, I keep, <laughs> um, you know, I drank so much on election night. I, I put up a <laughs> Facebook post congratulating her. And like, I said something like, 35th LD and which is not her legislative district. So I'm, I'm sorry. I got drunk and crazy. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, I just wasn't myself. Um, although honestly <laughs> I cannot at the moment remember we forgive you. what it's number her legislative district is. Um, I, uh, she, I believe as I recall, she had a healthy win. Let's just say a healthy margin in her district. Uh, what was the, I was thinking though of, um, the governor race, that goofball who ran up against Inslee pulling a big Trump card being like, there's fraudulent voting and something's wrong and refusing to secede. I Sheriff thought that was Lauren Colt. Culp. Sheriff Lauren Colt. Culp. That's right. Culp. Yes. Uh, I, I, that's what I mean though, with, um, Republicans getting real emboldened to just be like. Lying's okay now. Racism's okay now. Shooting people's okay now. And I'm proud about it. Um, so I, I wasn't worried about Inslee winning. I knew he would win, but I did find that a little bit humorous in the midst of all the other aggravating news. Uh, yeah. And um, I guess, uh, you know, sales tax increase for Metro uh, past uh, Harborview funding, like, um, they're in almost every chance Seattle voters get to tax themselves uh, for services. They do it, and thank goodness uh, for that. Um, Hopefully, it's out of guilt for passing all the people they won't provide homes for. <laughs> um. So, bef- uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, are there any questions from our friends that have joined us? I don't have a question, oh, yeah. but Aisha, I do want you to Sorry, know that to it's very exciting to see you on television. Oh, thank you, Madeline. Oh, that was fun. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. To the extent that now other people are like, oh, there's your friend. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Thank I've made, you. I made others aware of your celebrity. You're so sweet. Thank you. That's fun. Well, yeah, thank I, you for I, I working can't... on it. Thank you. Yeah, I did send the link to a few of my friends. I'm like, look, once I realized it was happy. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, I, I'm glad it was awesome to be able to contribute in that way. So you were on real TV. Like you were. That's what I hear. Yeah. You kind of like you knew Rachel Maddow a little bit. <laughs> I wish I do not. That would be very cool. <laughs> Thank you. That's fun. I want to hang out with Rachel well, Maddow. I was so worried about Rep 90 when I saw what they had in the um, voter guide. Did you guys read the against? 
Very misleading. Uh, no. no. So bad. They said they were going to teach like porn sex positions to fourth graders. Oh, right. Yeah. I have a fourth grader. And I thought, you know, for all the people who get their ballot and don't do their research and maybe just look through this pamphlet, <laughs> they're all going to say no. Well, well and- thankfully, it's so preposterous. Yeah. You know, like. That was my favorite surprise of election night was when that was a clear yes. And we didn't have to yeah. sit on tenterhooks about it. Well, and anybody that knows a fourth grader knows that the last thing they want to hear about exactly. from <laughs> to old, especially in my case, because I used to teach that good curriculum. Yeah, they really want to hear about how to do it from an old white woman. Right. No. <laughs> you. Yeah. That uh, is like. Recipe yeah, you're not going to get consent for that. No. Leilani, yeah, <laughs> no. Leilani has a raise, hand raise. How cool. You can raise your hand on Zoom. It's such a helpful oh, I thing. Didn't know yeah. No, no, I'm just saying. Go ahead. That was wonderful. Um, and I'm excited about that as well. I've been um, uh, asking folks how they're sourcing themselves. So um, self-care seems so trite like to say as a, even as a term, as we're doing our different things, but I'm, um, I'm always, um, interested in, especially right now, how people are fighting, um, the bitterness or, um, the, uh, I'm, I'm sleeping a little bit at night, but I feel like I'm processing even when I'm sleeping. So I don't wake up feeling rested. So I'm curious, um, how you all are doing and what you're doing to source yourselves. Mm, that's a nice question. I appreciate you asking. Um, I I mean, I, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a preschool teacher. So I feel really lucky at times like this where everything else in the world feels really chaotic and gross. I get to be with young kids who see the best. I get to have that effect on them and they have such a great effect on me. I always feel just so uplifted. Um, I'm doing all my classes over Zoom right now, but um, even just that like little time of connection through the screen really just fills me up and reminds me like what this is all for. Like at the end of the day, we may not see that change we want to see in our lifetime, but I really, I want to fight for it for my students. I want to stay strong for these kids. I want them to see it and realize it. Um, And yeah, that's just there. And having that as my passion and my work every day is the reason I get out of bed. It keeps me energized. It keeps me feeling inspired and feeling hopeful about the whole wide world. And I just get so moved when I hear my students telling me about ways that they show kindness to others or ways that they're thinking about others. Um, and I also have been thinking a lot about when Trump got first elected, a three-year-old student I had came up and sat in my lap and told me, are you also sad about the bad King? And I think about that a lot. And just like people always say that kids don't have a capacity for empathy, but working in this field, I can't, I have to say it's the exact opposite. They are so, so, so tuned in and right there. And they're feeling this, even if they don't understand it, they feel it. And being that person who gets to, have that privilege of kind of experiencing and processing this with them gives me a lot of energy and keeps me feeling a little bit stronger. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great question, Leilani. Um, so I have two dogs. I highly recommend pets. Um, I follow Leilani on Instagram, so I know you have pets too, and it's fun. We have, you have a rescue. I have rescues. Um, so they, uh, one of them loves to sit and they're 40 pounds each. They're not small creatures. Um, and one of them loves to sit on my lap. Like whenever I'm sitting in, especially in one certain spot on the couch, he will plant himself. He can't be quite on my lap. I have to, he's like in the middle of my lap. Um, and I walk them twice a day so that, I, and I don't tell, I used to try to listen to something when I walked and I stopped that a few years ago because I wasn't, I found that if I walk without my phone, I could just, con- I can have like emptiness, just, it's not emptiness, but I'm not listening to podcasts. I might even listen to our podcast. I know I just go. And so I do that. And then I have a meditation app to sleep at night. I have a meditation app uh, because I have too much monkey mind. I've tried to meditate by myself and it doesn't work. So the meditation app is awesome because it does a whole guided relaxation. And then I will just go pass out, which um, has been helpful. 
What app do you so use? The, the one I have is um, I have it's it's a it's a British dude <laughs> named Glenn Harold. There's there's dozens and dozens, and this one is um, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, relax and sleep well. It's a yeah. So it's a British dude named Glenn Harold, and I do the um, there's one sleep relax and sleep well. It's about 45 minutes, and there's mindfulness for deep sleep, and that one's about probably also about 40 minutes. And I, it's been great. And cause he does a guided relaxation and real, because I, I embody tension. I think we all do. We carry. So learning to breathe, but those are the things that are like the, I try to do every single day. Um, and then, you know, when I remember, I'll remember to breathe or I'll try to unclench, you know, my tense, my body, but that's not always, it's not always at the forefront, but, but I do try to do those things walk with my dogs and meditate. Sarah, how about you? Um, well, Okay, so I guess I'm not supposed to include drinking like a fish, um, but uh, for the the uh, w- when that's not you happening, could include it. <laughs> uh, you know, um, a month before um, the election, I uh, got my ass back on the treadmill, and um, I've been doing uh, five miles a day of walking, jogging, and and running. Damn, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I lost 10 pounds in the month before the election. Um, and uh, so it, it's it's a good way to um, take in difficult things. Like, you know, watching Donald Trump's town hall, you know, I can endure that for an hour while I'm jogging. You know, because like I, I have, I have some place to put all that that energy. Just pretend you're stepping on his face. Uh, yeah, and you know, in a less angry way. Uh, you know, treadmill <laughs> time is a great a great time to watch my shows, and I, I love my shows, my stories. Um, and uh, I think the other thing that I find really uh, sourcing, I think you should put it. Um, I have you know, I have three jobs. One of my jobs is people pay me to take care of their cats while they're away, which means I'm meeting new cats and seeing old friends who happen to be cats uh, all the time. And um, that, uh, that, that is something that definitely breathes some life back into me. Um, so uh, on that note, um, Raven, what are you grateful for this week? Oh. Well, first of all, I'm really grateful to have this um, platform. I'm grateful to have somewhere to spew out all the thoughts that have been spinning around for the last week since we last talked. Um, and, you know, I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for just the people in my life this week. I feel like I've just been getting a lot of texts from my employers, my friends, my coworkers, past coworkers, uh, my family, just checking in, asking how I'm doing, just kind of sharing this moment. And it always feels good to remember you have that community around you. It always feels heartening and a little bit emboldening. And so I'm just really thankful for all the people who I love and love me back. It's a blessing and I don't take it for granted. I know I'm super lucky to have that many people. So that's my biggest one. What about you guys? Um, yes, Raven, that was so beautiful. I am grateful for the connections that I have. And I I will say, I know people, you know, people have, I've heard, yes, Mark Zuckerberg is evil, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I have been able to keep in touch with more people through social media and Facebook than I would have otherwise. And so even right now, um, just know, you know, friends with babies that I can't see until COVID's done. Um, that I get to at least, and through Instagram, it's like, oh, okay, there's a baby growing. And, um, so however we can have connections are, I'm super grateful. Uh, my children don't, uh, they're, they're young adults and they're both not here. <laughs> they're not home. And so I'm grateful that they check in every day. So, um, I'm super Aww. grateful. But yeah, I know. I should check in with my mom. <laughs> check in with your mother, Raven. <laughs> she will like it. <laughs> so, I'm very grateful for that. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm very, I'm grateful for you all. Thank you. The, you all that came today, Madeline, um, Leilani and Amy and Michelle and Raven for joining us. So yay. And this is just, it is true to be able to, you know what it is to get together and have a shared reality. 
because it really is hard to talk to people who have a neighbor who said it only happened once because I shut it down, but she, you know, that the media is lying about Trump. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep walking with my dogs. Have a great day. I, so to, to be with people that are like, yeah, we have a shared reality about what's happening is frankly, is also a way to combat the trauma that's being assaulted us that we, that we're not having to convince each other what reality is. So can having that connection is important. Sarah, how about you? What are you grateful for? Um, <clears throat> some of the most essential workers in the whole country, and that's election workers. Um, yes. And those are poll workers, and especially uh, since Tuesday, um, but long before then, uh, less visibly, um, the election workers who are counting the votes and are working their asses off to make sure every vote gets counted. Um it's always the case that our cities take the longest to count because uh, there are a lot of fucking people. The um, uh, Proportionally, the infrastructure isn't there like it is for small counties. Um, but in cities across America, there are uh, dedicated election workers who are Democrats, Republicans, and independents. And I don't care how much... Uh, Donald Trump is shitting on them right now. Um, they are essential, and I'm grateful for them. Absolutely. And frankly, again, to <laughs> carry on an earlier theme, I'm grateful for black women in places like Atlanta and uh, and and Detroit and Philadelphia um, and Las Vegas. There are black women staffing uh, election centers, and I, you know, when I when I see a black woman working her ass off to make every vote counts. It makes me feel like every vote's going to count. Um, and uh, we do owe them a lot. So yeah, I'm grateful for black women. I'm grateful you said that. Thank you. This has been by the sound, your community invested podcast. By the sound is an Ahoy Hoy media production. Ahoy Hoy.